0: I just want to uh, uh, introduce to you today's uh, guest speaker who's just having a cup of coffee right now. (laughs) Oh, it's water. Okay, good. Come on up, Tom. Would you make Pastor Tom please feel welcome as he comes... If you don't know this man, sorry? I was just saying to them, not to you. Oh, if okay. you don't know this man, he was, he was a pastor in this church, uh, an awesome pastor in this church, <laughs> by the way. I paid um, him 20 bucks to say that. Yeah, now. that's right. Um, but that it was back in the, in the 2000s. If I'm, if yeah, I'm, yeah it, was, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was a few years um, But this man has a heart for people and a heart for God. And I know he loves the word as well. So I'm excited about what you got for us today. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. I believe that God's light brings freedom by driving out darkness. And last night and this morning, as I was praying, I saw a person locked in a box of darkness. And they were squished up in that box in a fetal position. And the box was filled with fear. And I believe that was a word God wanted me to bring this morning to pray for whoever that person or whoever those people may be this morning that Jesus wants to shine the light into the darkness of our lives to break forth that darkness so that we can be free. So let's pray together. Father just commit that word to you. I believe it was from you. And I just pray for whoever that word is relevant for this morning, even right now, that you would burst forth your light into that darkness that is restricting their life, that you would burst forth that light that would drive the darkness away, that would destroy that little box of darkness, and that they would rise up in light and in freedom this morning. Even right now, Holy Spirit, we submit to you, Move, Holy Spirit, to bring that freedom into lives now. To to burst forth the darkness upon hearts that we might rise up and fulfill the destiny that you have for us. That we will no longer walk in fear, but we will walk in power and love and of a sound mind. Father, even right now by your Spirit, let that ministry begin. Let that freedom come in the lives of your people. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. During World War II, a group of German soldiers came across a number of Jewish people in a village and they took those Jewish people out and they stood them in front of hay bales and they got their soldiers and they lined them up and they readied them to execute those innocent Jewish people. And as they were preparing to execute those people, one of the soldiers said, I can't do this. And his commander said to him, if you are not prepared to execute these Jewish people, then you will be executed with those Jewish people. And so the soldier laid down his rifle. He walked up to where the Jewish people were, And he turned around and he stood with them. And as the other soldiers readied their guns and were preparing to fire, a Jewish man reached out his hand and took the hand of the German soldier who was up there with them. And they died together hand in hand. That German soldier who died that day had a commitment to truth to a principle of life that was more important to him than his own life. We are called to walk in commitment to God. And today's message is about our commitment to God and to truth. In a world that doesn't like truth, in a world that waters down truth, and sadly enough, even in churches that take on board things that are not truth, that are not in God's word... We are called to stand for God and for truth. Even if God doesn't, dot, dot, dot. And I hope you'll look for that phrase this morning, even if God doesn't, in our reading from Daniel 3, 14 to 18. You will know the story. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the three guys who were thrown into the fiery furnace, Let's read. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from your hand, O king. But, and a little drum roll here, even if he doesn't, even if God doesn't, Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Commitment to God and truth, irrespective of the consequences. And one of the key reasons that people walk away from God is because at some point they see that God has disappointed them and let them down. For an example, praying for the healing of a loved one, but they don't get healed. And I've heard of people who've walked away from God because God didn't heal their loved one. Jesus taught his disciples the cost of following him and that cost was so great that some of them turned away and I found it interesting in John 6:66 I thought 666 that's got to be <laughs> mean something from that time many of his disciples turned their backs on Jesus and refused to be associated with him so Jesus told them what the cost would be what the commitment would demand and they turned their back and walked away because Jesus disappointed them And as Christians, we're called to maintain our commitment to God even if God doesn't dot, 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 whatever that is, answer our prayers, give us a blessing in the way that we think we should be blessed. Do we have a Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego level of commitment that says, even if God doesn't deliver me, I'm not going to bow down and worship the money and the, the glory and the power in this world. I refuse to worship that golden image. I want to talk about two statements that fill in that blank, even if God doesn't. We should maintain our commitment to God, even if God doesn't show us the reason why we're going through the trials and tribulations. Anyone here never been through a trial or tribulation? Please put your (laughs) hand up. Had no difficulties in life. Life has just been a breeze. I don't see any hands here today. We all go through difficult times. And as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were going through their difficulties, they didn't have a reason. They didn't understand what was going on. We see, for example, in the life of Joseph. Fourteen years, betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit sent down to Egypt, misunderstood, falsely accused of trying to hit on Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison, 14 years. I can imagine he would have been a very angry young man after 14 years, thinking, why did God let this happen to me? Why doesn't God save me? Why doesn't God deliver me? And it wasn't until the very end of his time there in Egypt as he came out of the prison into the palace and his brothers came to him this would have been a great opportunity what an opportunity here are the brothers that come to you that threw you in the pit and you're the second most powerful person in the earth you might have been thinking here I go they are dead meat they're gone I'm going to make their life misery but at the end in Genesis 50 19 to 20 Joseph said to them do not be afraid. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to save many people. And so the things that Joseph <clears throat> pardon me, went through were a means of God bringing about the salvation not only of his family, but of the whole Egyptian nation was saved through the seven years of famine. But obviously Joseph had to reach a point where something broke through of God's light into his life where he was able to forgive his brothers because he could see that God was going to bring about something good through the situation. We should maintain our commitment to God, even though we don't have the answers To all the questions. Even though we don't know why sometimes our prayers don't get answered in the way. That we would like them to be answered. Dear Lord. I would like to know the powerball numbers for next Thursday. Probably not going to get an answer I want. But then we read in Isaiah 55.9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts? And just reminded me when God was talking to to Job and questioning God and God said, where were you when I laid out the heavens? Oh, okay. Where were you when I created all these things? Did I come and consult you and ask your opinion? We need to keep our place. We don't have all the answers. We don't know all the reasons. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher and deeper and broader than our thoughts. Even if we don't understand why we've been through the difficult times, and I can think back over my life, there have been times when I said, God, why did you let this happen to me? And it wasn't until later that I began, a little bit like Joseph, to see, oh, you let that happen to me for this reason. And God worked in Joseph's life a man who was very proud. Imagine going to your brothers with that beautiful coat of many colours and saying, I got the coat, you guys didn't. I'm awesome, you're not awesome. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. (laughs) But after 14 years of being in the pit and the prison and all those places, he was able to to rise up and be gracious to his brothers in forgiveness. That's what puts us in little black boxes this big and crushes our life. Unforgiveness. And the sad thing is that we think we're hurting the person that we're not forgiving when all we're doing is putting ourselves in a box that crushes our life. So let there be forgiveness that we might come into the freedom that God has. Even if God doesn't give us the reason for the things that we go through, we maintain our commitment to God as they did. And even if God, number two, doesn't save us. Even if God doesn't save us. I mean, they affirmed, remember back in the reading, they said, our God is able... But their commitment to God was not dependent upon whether God actually chose to deliver them. They said, our God is able, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down to the gods of money and power and status and all those things that are part of the world. Even if God doesn't, we won't bow down. We don't always understand the plan and purpose of God in allowing us to go through some things. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. What a tragic scene and yet what a victorious scene. Jesus prayed, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, which is AKA, even if God doesn't, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will as you will, God, it's about the will of God. Jesus was committed to the purpose of the Father and he didn't want to go and die on a cross. He didn't want to suffer on that cross. But he said, God, not my will, your will be done. And Peter tried to deliver Jesus. He took out his sword. Well, will save you, Lord. Put it away. God wasn't to deliver Jesus from the cross because that was God's purpose for Jesus. Why do we maintain that commitment to God in a world of darkness? Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are deeper than our thoughts. And maybe like Job, we can reach a point in Job thirteen fifteen where Job said, Though he kills me, yet I will trust in him. Well, wow, that's an amazing level of trust even as our three friends in the fiery furnace had. A level of commitment to God that says, I don't care what the world does. And I'm sure that when we get to be with the Lord and we see the martyrs that are in that heavenly realm and we say to them, was it worth it? Was it worth it dying to maintain your commitment to God and to truth? And I'm sure every one of them will say, yes. We need to maintain our commitment to God and to truth in a world that wants to take truth away. And wants to water down and say, yes, there are many ways we can go to God. Sometimes even preached in churches. God is not an inclusive God when it comes to salvation. He's an exclusive God. He said, there is only one way, and that's through Jesus. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me. That except means God is exclusive. There's only one way, and that is through him. So how then can we develop that level of commitment? I want to mention three ways very briefly, or maybe not so briefly. Um, Three ways that we can develop that level of commitment to God. Number one... To know God's motivation over your life. When God thinks about you, what's his motivation? What is your motivation for your children? I've got one of my children over there. What's my motivation? Love and for good. And we see that in the life of Joseph, again, in that Genesis 50, 19 to 20 reading. Genesis says, Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. As for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Isn't that great to know that when God thinks about you and me, he thinks about good in our life. He thinks about good. God intends good over your life and my life. Romans 8.28, For we all know, or we know, that all things work together for good. But it doesn't work together for good for everybody. That's not true. It works together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Not those who rebel against God and decide they want to go their own way. I find it amazing to think that God thinks about me. You know, I think all of the billions of people who've ever lived and live now, and all of the things that God must have to do every morning, oh, I've got to make sure the sun comes up and... I'm going to make sure it rains, and, and I'm going to make sure the animals are fed, all the birds that I've got to care for. And then God says, oh, yes, what's his name? Um, oh, yes, I'll have a few moments to think about him. God thinks about you. You are not a number. You're in the very heart and mind of God. God thinks about you. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. And take that really personal this morning. Don't think it's talking about the person next to you. It's talking about you. I know the thoughts that I think toward you today, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Even if God does not deliver us from the trials. The motivation, the answer to the why question is because he has good in store for us. Now I can remember a time when my mother said to me, you should eat those carrots. (laughs) And I said, but mum, I hate carrots. Can I have some Turkish delight instead? (laughs) And for some weird reason, she said to me, no, because carrots are good for you. And the only consolation I have is I know that when I get to heaven, there are no carrots or celery but there's apparently plenty of Turkish delight. And so I will enjoy that place. Knowing that someone is looking out for you for your good, not to destroy or discourage, but for your betterment. That's the motivation, the answer to the question why, as we go through trials, the difficulties that are there. Number two, no. God's ultimate purpose for our life, moving on from the why to the what. What is it that God wants for your life? Again, if we go back to that reading, I'm going to be reading it a few times because embedded in here is the answer to these questions. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, as for you, you meant it against me for evil, but God meant it for good in order to save many lives. God's good over us is salvation. His purpose through Joseph and for Joseph was salvation. And the same for us. And it is heartbreaking at times to see the world promoting for our young people to take hold of a career path and to become rich and famous and to be on TV and have all of these things. Do you know they last only for a very short time? I can't believe this year I've been married 40 years. And being married to Glennis has, has not affected me <laughs> too much, but it's, it's affected hers apparently, and she's still working on me. But doesn't time go quickly? I think Nathan, it's been 12 years or 13 years since I was here, and the time just seemed—you blink and they go—and and it was just, you know, it was just the other day I brought Claire home from hospital, and she was this big, and then I fed her, and now look how tall she is. She's, <laughs> she's gorgeous. We have a desire to bring good into the lives of the ones that we love. And in God's heart, as he thinks about you and me to bring good, salvation summarises that, that God just doesn't want to relate to us in this very short, brief life that we have. And I remember going and talking to an elderly lady many years ago and talking about her time on this earth and she said I know I'm coming to the end of my time and after the discussion we realised that this life is like being in a womb, it's it's restrictive, it's limited, it's only very short and then we burst forth into a, a world of amazing things and eternity will be like that when we burst into eternity, when we're birthed into eternity we look back on this life, if we take any time at all to look back on this life, we, we'll just be so focused on the amazing things. There'll be no more tears and death and suffering, but it will just be amazing things in the presence of God. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God's got praying for you and for me. It makes us want to say, I'm ready. Take me, Lord. And so we see the what. As we go through the difficulties and we realise that God is, is wanting to produce salvation for us. It's not just in this life, this is so quickly gone, but an eternity. And then finally, moving on from the why and the what to the how, knowing God's method in our life. We need to understand God's methods. And in that same verse we find that He says, as for you, you meant evil against me. That God permitted evil in the life of Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, thrown in a pit, thrown into jail, falsely accused. We've all experienced evil in life. We've been through difficulties. And sometimes we fight against those and we say, well, why does God, if God loves me, why does he let that happen to me? If we could just for a moment begin to realise that God takes the difficulties as a means of producing something in our life. Romans 5.3 We can rejoice, and I know this will seem insane if we don't have God's perspective on things. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop patience. Anybody here ever prayed to God for patience? Dumb move. Dumb move, guys. I have, until I read the verse, that tribulation works patience. I didn't realise I was praying for tribulation. I just wanted patience without the tribulation. And God says, no, if you want the end, you've got to have the means to the end. We can embrace the difficulties. Whatever you've been through, a tough time, broken relationships, a lost job, health issues, God can take all of those things and weave them together to produce the kingdom in our heart, James 1, 2 to 4, count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let the patience have its complete work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. And there is a temptation to want to run away from the troubles, to run away from the difficulties, from the trials and tribulations, say, God, deliver me. And yet in and through those same trials and tribulations that we want to avoid, we see the hand of God taking us with all of the impurities, putting us into fire, and out of the fire comes pure gold fit for the kingdom, able to be in the presence of God because God has purified our life and we have the patience and the joy and the love that God desires to give us. Let us be encouraged today that we can have that level of commitment to God. As we go out into a dark world, we go out with God's light in our heart. We go out with a sense that The darkness can't overcome the light, but the light overcomes the darkness. And whatever your difficulties and trials are, I pray that God will help all of us to see beyond those difficulties, to see that God takes them and uses them to produce his kingdom in our heart. Even if God doesn't, will we still follow Jesus? Even if it means our death, will we still follow Jesus? Even if it means we don't get delivered from the difficulty. Let's keep following Jesus. That we might have his kingdom in our heart. Let's pray together. Father, we are just so thankful that you look at us and you say, I want good for your life. I want salvation in your life. I want to produce in you the things that are fit for the kingdom, even through the difficulties, even through the hardships. And Father, I again just come back to the little black box. Father, may that darkness not overcome us. For those who have experienced your light shining this morning into that little black box of darkness, may it be broken apart, that we might rise up in a newness of life fit for your kingdom and to proclaim your glory in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.